This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as as we worship you today, we ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see you, to see your great love for us and your great love for everyone in the whole world. And Lord, move us forward with your love. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Think back. Think way back, okay, to like March of 2020. So we think back 18 months ago, what was going on in our culture was that there were rapid changes. There were shifts in our entire culture. Things were moving in one direction very rapidly. And then the pandemic came. And while the pandemic may have slowed us down, it did not slow down the cultural shifts and changes in America. In fact, if anything, most people are looking at those cultural shifts and saying that the pandemic actually accelerated all those changes, that things are, are moving even more quickly in that direction. So today, as, as we gather here in the midst of a, a changing culture with all these shifts, some that we maybe like, some that we don't, we're asking God to to move us forward, no matter what. To guide us and lead us and give us direction and vision for our time together in this series, we're gonna be using the the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an Old Testament prophet. His name means God's comfort, okay? So you can just kind of pack that away in your back pocket for this whole series and for your whole life. Just remember God's comfort, right? Now, Nehemiah lived about 550 years after King David. Okay? King David was at the, the height of the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God's people on earth, right? And then things just steadily declined. Okay? The people of God became very complacent about God even to the degree that they just outwardly rebelled. They got so comfortable in their lives that when God said, no, you need to do that, they're like, no, I don't want any part of that. I want to keep on going this way. And God had promised people a long time ago that if you're unfaithful to me, uh, you will end up in in exile, okay? Uh, And other nations will come in and take you over. And that's exactly what happened. The people had gone far away from God and God used a nation by the name of Babylon to invade Judah and Jerusalem where the people of God were at. And people back in that day, this is what they thought, what they understood. It worked really well that if you took one of the three main pillars out of a society, out of a community, they were pretty much done. If you either took their religion, their land, or their people out, You wouldn't have to worry about them rebelling against you. And so God uses Babylon. Babylon comes in and invades the the people of God, city where the people of God are living and things like that. And they destroy the temple. 
And that takes care of the religion component. But Babylon doesn't stop there. They knock down the city wall, meaning that the people are exposed. They have no protection. And so they've opened up the land. That's two. And then with three, they exiled the nobility, the priests, the rich, the intelligent, and took them away into exile. And so what was left were very few people with a great void of leadership. And so Babylon never had to worry about Judah rising up in rebellion against them. But along came Persia and Persia conquered Babylon and the Persian king Cyrus, he started to allow people to go back to their homelands. Okay? And now that brings us right up before Nehemiah. That's happening in life and culture as Nehemiah is on the scene. People are able to go back to their homelands. Okay? And as we now turn into the book of Nehemiah, this is what we want to learn. What can we learn from Nehemiah about a vision forward in our changing culture? Okay? So Nehemiah 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Okay. So Nehemiah, his, his profession is a, a cupbearer. All right. And I, and I know that doesn't really mean anything to you and me, a cupbearer. We don't ever apply for that, right? But the cupbearer, what Nehemiah was, was he was the bartender, okay? He was a bartender. He was the mixologist. Uh, and, and not only was he just a, a bartender at a local pub or a big hotel or things like that, he was the king's personal bartender. Right. Happens to be a very important position, okay? Uh, not just because he could make good drinks, Right? But because he was responsible for the king's life. He was the one who was supposed to keep the king from being poisoned. Because of that position in life, wherever the king went, Nehemiah got to go as well. And as we open up the book, Nehemiah is in Susa. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean anything to you and me, but just think of it this way, that it's like January, February here, it's 20 below, and you get to go to the Bahamas, all right? That's where Nehemiah is at. He's in the resort town of Susa with the king. And while he's there, some of his ancestors who have been to Jerusalem, who have visited Jerusalem, are also there on vacation. He says, hey, man, what's going on back with our people and with the city? He wants to know. Because you see, he knows from oral tradition that Jerusalem was this place where the glory of God used to just fill it. Just the glory of all of his glory. And the people were amazingly blessed, overwhelmingly blessed, just simply because they were in the presence of the glory of God. You must say, how, how, how is it back there? And the report is, it's horrible. Okay? Uh, the people are in a disgrace. There's, there's no way to protect themselves. Things are, are run down and everything. It's a far different picture 
than what Nehemiah had hoped. He had, he had hoped that the glory of God was again filling the place and that the people were just simply blessed just because they were in the presence of the glory of God. And it grieved him immensely. Nehemiah faced the facts. Things weren't very good. Okay. That was then, but how about now? How are things now? Barna and the American Bible Society, two research, Christian research organizations in our country, they recently teamed up together and did a study. And this is what they found out in their study about Generation Z, the, the young people in our country. What they found in this study is that 66% of Generation Z have a precarious relationship with the Bible. Okay, uh, In fact, they just kind of clarified that clear, 66% of Generation Z doesn't use the Bible at all, okay? Zero times. 34% of Generation Z, they found out in the study, does use the Bible. And while that's not good, it, it doesn't sound so bad, right? If you're playing Major League Baseball and you're batting 340, you're a millionaire. You're a multi-millionaire, 34% of the, right? But now we find out what Barna and the American Bible Society were using as the baseline for what a user is. A user of the Bible, according to this study, this research that they did, is someone who uses the Bible three or four times. A week? No. Uh, a month? No to that, too. A year. We need to face the facts. Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation in our culture. It's no longer, some of us can remember, who they, we didn't see them in church today. Where were they? It's no longer like that at all. It's about people who have never been to worship, don't plan on going to worship, don't even think about going to worship. That's our society today. So what we learn from Nehemiah about a vision forward and reaching today's culture, our changing culture, is we need to face the facts. We're not in Kansas anymore. We need to face the facts. We can't go back, but we can go forward. This is how Nehemiah went forward. First part is, is prayer. It says, then I said, Lord, the God of heavens, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, set your ear, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed your commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, 
then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my home. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength in your mighty hand. So this is what Nehemiah does. He, he prays a prayer of confession and repentance, just being really open and honest. Man, God, we blew it, okay? We, we ran away from you. We got what we deserved. And then he's really open and honest too. And he says, God, we're gonna trust and rely in your word. We're gonna rely on your promises, okay? That was then, this is now. We too, like Nehemiah, need a prayer of repentance and confession. And I'm going to share some prayer requests with you, some, some prayer petitions. And if it's you, I invite you to, to lay it out there that, God, this is the deal. And if it's not you, just, just let it slide by, okay? You know, but, but let's confess. Lord, we confess that we have taken you for granted. Lord, we confess that we've tried to take advantage of you. Lord, we confess that that we've made you an add-on into our lives. That that you're not the most important one. You haven't been the most important, but you've been an add-on in our lives. You know, if there's any time left over. We'll give you that. Lord, we, we confess that, that we've worshiped you as long as something more important hasn't come up. Lord, we confess that we've prayed to you if we had any time left to do so. Lord, we confess that we've received your blessings as if we really deserve them. And so we've often left the poor and hungry under-resourced. Lord, we confess that we've relied on our own strength. Even though collectively, we all can't even make a single grain of sand by ourselves. Lord, we've, we've relied on our own strength instead of your almighty, all-powerful strength. Lord God, we, we confess that sometimes we've, we've loved people who are like us sometimes. Lord God, we confess that quite often we've shown contempt for those who are different than us. Father God, we confess that we've relied on on other people more than we've relied on you. Father God, we we confess that we've relied on money more than we've relied 
on you. Lord, we confess that we have based our lives on our own ethics and our own sensibilities as opposed to your unconditional love. Lord, we confess we're just like clay jars, clay jars that have been knocked off the shelf And so we're broken and shattered. And yet, Lord God, we we come to you because you said that those who hope in you will renew their strength. Lord, lead us to hope in you. Jesus, the redeemer of the world who came and lived a perfect life in our place, we get credit for everything he did. And then he died in our place to take away every single sin, every single one. No reason to walk around in guilt or shame or burden. Lord God, we rely on you. We trust in you. You said said you'd send the Holy Spirit and you have sent the Holy Spirit like in baptism through your word. Your Holy Spirit lives in our hearts. And you said that when you receive, when we receive your Holy Spirit, you'll make us your witnesses, not only in our homes, not only in our neighborhoods, not only in our community, not only in our city, not only in our state, not only in our nation, not only in our continent, but throughout the world. Lord God, help us to be your witnesses throughout the world. Pray this in your name, Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. So what can we learn from Nehemiah about a vision forward in our changing culture? One, face the facts. And two, Pray a prayer of repentance and trust God to be faithful to his word. So Nehemiah has heard the report. He's prayed to God. He's he's grieved. He's still got to go to work. And the king notices him. Says in Nehemiah 2, the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. He's very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors buried are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Pretty bold ask, right? The bartender says to his boss, hey, I want some vacation. It's before the unions, right? And, and I want to go and I want to rebuild 
that city that was a, an enemy city to you. See, what, Nehemiah, what he's really saying is, God, you know, allow me. Give me favor before the king. Let me go back. I want your glory to shine. I, I want to be a part of that. I, I want you to get the glory you're due. God, God, I want to see your glory. I want everybody to see your glory. I want people just to be blessed because they are in your glory. That's what he was really asking. It's for the people of God to be in the presence of the glory of God, to be rebuilt. I'm going to rebuild the whole city wall, he says. It's a pretty big vision, pretty bold. Okay. Like Nehemiah, you and I have a big God who has a big vision for the world. Some of us know of it as the plan of salvation. He wants to save the whole world. And he has placed us now in this day and at this time in a global neighborhood. And into this new global neighborhood, God hasn't changed again in his word or his vision. He gives us the great commandment and the great commission. It says in this global neighborhood, that you love God above all things all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, love your neighbor as yourself and go and make disciples of all nations. See, what we've learned through this pandemic is not only can we share the God, word of God and reach people here in a physical setting, but that we can reach God and or reach people with God and share his good news all over the world in a digital setting. Right. Here's some reasons why I think God is leading us here at Victory to be world missionaries, to think digital first. I saw a report this last week that says 4.8 billion people are on the internet every day. That that number increased by 257 million over the last year. That's 700,000 a day. There's 4.8 billion people on the internet every day. That's the digital mission field. Okay, think of it this way. As people, historians are able to look back and, and, and see what God has done, you know, people ask, why did Jesus come when he came and things like that? And we know from scripture that scripture says that when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman and, and carried on, right? Why was that the time? Why was that the time? As historians look back, this is one of the things that they've come up with. Jesus came at that time because God had been working around uh, behind the scenes. And at that time in history, Rome had just completed the Roman highway system, the Roman road. And so when Jesus is born and dies for the whole world resurrected, there was easier passageway to send the good news of Jesus throughout the whole world using that Roman road. Friends, digital 
is the new Roman road. We can share God's love, God's truth, God's word with people further away faster than ever before. So we think back and we go back to 18 months ago. On average, victory here, we worshiped uh, here in, in person. We had 65 devices that worshiped with us online. Last weekend was, was a holiday weekend. Our numbers were, were lower, uh, but, but now, and it's almost three times as many as it was then, we had 172 devices online last weekend. I understand that's not a 172 people, that's 172 devices. Maybe there was only one person uh, worshiping on that computer. Maybe there were two. Maybe it was a family of three or four. You know, whatever it might be, but, but there were at least uh, 172 that were worshiping with us digitally. For those of you who are able to see the, the annual report from Victory, this is one of the things that, that we found out. God was working behind the scenes. Surprise, right? He is working, doing far greater things. What we found out when we did the annual report was over this last fiscal year, we worshiped with people in all 50 states and 11 different countries. Friends, we, we have a digital mission field that's fun and exciting. We get to reach people all over the world. A couple weeks ago, Sammy put up an Instagram reel of Pastor Ben sharing the gospel. Uh, 10,000 plus people saw it in 12 hours. That's amazing. Sharing the gospel with 10,000 people in less than 12 hours. Digital's the new mission field, right? Nine o'clock service this morning, Hagar, Moot, and Tommy joined us for worship. Hagar lives in Lusaka, Zambia. Want to be a missionary to Africa? We just became that by God's grace, right? And then if Hagar shares that message with her family and friends and things like that, it, it only expands. This morning again at the 9 a.m. service, John and Candy Johnson, some of our, our members here at Victory, they're on vacation, they're on a boat, <laughs> cruise ship, boat, same thing, right? <laughs> In the middle of the ocean. And they're worshiping. They worshiped with us. And if they shared the message with someone at brunch time or whatever, it just expands and expands. And we know that we have a, a number of regular worshipers, online worshipers. Huh? And one of them this past week, she said to me, you know, being connected by God to God is such a blessing. And again, for, for some of you who are, are regular worshipers online and you don't live in our area, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to pray about being a digital setting for sharing the gospel. I want you to pray about uh, who you could reach. And if God's leading you, I want you to give me a call or email me. My name and number an email address is on the screen. We're going to keep it there for a little while. It's that important. We have an opportunity to be witnesses 
throughout the world, witnessing to the power and the glory and love of Jesus Christ. See, our, our culture's changed. We'll always have physical gatherings. They'll always be special there. But now, we can reach out all over. Think about it. Later today, the, the NFL season's going to start, right? Well, actually, it started on, on Thursday with Dallas and Tampa Bay, but that really isn't the start of the season, right? <laughs> Unless, of course, you're worshiping with us from Dallas or Tampa Bay, in which case it is, right? Thing is, is say 80,000 people are going to fit in the stadium. There'll be millions watching online, watching on TV, right? There'll be millions who are engaged, excited, involved, sitting on their edge of their seats. We can do that now with the good news of Jesus Christ as well. As you can tell, victory, the church, right? We're already on the Roman road, the new Roman road. And, and we're going to keep being on the Roman road. And, and those of you who have noticed this, you know that, that we've made mistakes along the way. We're learning. And we thank you for being gracious to us when we've messed up. But here's the thing. Victory is not just the entity of victory. It's you and me. We need you to be involved on the digital mission field. There are a number of ways that you can do it. First of all, just make positive posts. Okay? There's, there's plenty of negativity out there. We don't have to jump in on that. Right? Which is also kind of one of those things. This is just an aside. That's why we need to be there too. If we abandon it, that's all that's going to be there. Right? The light shines in the darkness. Let's be light. Be positive. Share a scripture passage. Share a prayer that you have. Like, comment, and share on the one that posts from Victory or another Christian, another Christian organization. Because here's what happens is when, when you start to do that, the word of God goes further and further and a multiplication thing starts to happen. And more and more people are reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. See, dream big. The word works. The Holy Spirit works through the word. And here's just a couple of reasons why we need to do this now. Uh, not wait till next week or next year or anything like that. Why we need to do this now? Because Christ's love compels us. Christ loves you so much. He looks at you like you guys look at Oliver. Even more so. He loves you for all your sin. They're not, you don't even go back. God, you know, you go, God, I'm so sorry. And go, okay, I got it. And then you go back, God goes, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? And he took that away. Don't worry about it. 
Christ's love compels us. Christ's love, not only for us, but for all people. Christ loves all people. There's not a single person who's ever lived, is living, or will live that Jesus didn't love enough to die for. It's one reason Christ's love compels us. Another reason, I was at a funeral yesterday. People die. People don't automatically go to heaven when they die. They need Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Third reason, this is what Jesus says to you and me right now. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So what can we learn from Nehemiah about a vision forward in our changing culture? Face the facts. Pray a prayer of repentance and trust God to be faithful to his word. And remember, big God equals a big vision. Dream big. The word works. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for reaching down into our hearts and lives and sharing your gospel message with us. It's made a difference today and it will make a difference for an eternity. Lord God, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to us and now lead us following your word to be your witnesses, uh, not just in our homes, not just in our, in our neighborhoods, our communities, but throughout the whole world. And in all of this, God, may we and everybody, just by your grace, see your glory. And that will be way more of a blessing enough. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.